You're listening to Semper Reform on the Radio, where the Bible alone and the Bible in its entirety is applied to all of life. There are many people who do not want to hear the truth because it will shake up the false hope they have that they're going into heaven when indeed they are not. Christ is our King. Scripture is our law. Scripture and the laws of our country now collide head on. Now, just to make it clear, we don't bow down to Caesar. So what does Paul do when he gets his big shot at the Areopagus? Watch him. Now, not only has Paul not compromised in order to get here, but once he's here, he says, your worldview is wrong, your philosophy is wrong, it's not just wrong, it's an affront to God, you ought to know better, you're in sin. But the good news is, God has extended to you an opportunity to repent. All right, welcome everybody to Semper Reformanda Radio. My name is Tim, and I am going to be your host for today. Uh, so I need to give everybody a heads up on what's going on with Owen and Carlos. Owen and Carlos will be dropping out as fellow co-hosts and will basically be supporters and contributors to the podcast. Now, of course, I've, I've said before, and I, I just want to say it again because I think it's important that this be said, this was not due to controversy. This was not a sin issue. Both of these brothers, I would say, ought to be commended for all the work that they put in to the podcast. And we just recorded an episode with Owen last week talking about the prosperity gospel. And so, uh, you know, I like to say thank you to Owen. I think uh, both these these men are actually doing the right thing. The reason that they're stepping back a little bit right now is simply because of time constraints. Carlos, as I said before, has a lot more responsibility at work. And so Carlos is actually needing to devote more time to that, which leaves less time for this. And you gotta you gotta cut something somewhere. So after a lot of prayer, he realized that you know that would be cutting into his family time. And Owen has a lot going on with his ministry as a missionary in Bulgaria. So for right now, I, I'm hoping that it's just a season. I'm hoping that these brothers can come on. Uh, Whenever they, whenever they have the opportunity, I'd, I'd love for them to join, join me on Semper Reformanda Radio. But God is provisional, and God has, God has provided somebody else who's willing to step in and fill in uh, right now. And, and actually, I mean, come on as a, as a, as a partner with uh, Semper Reformanda Radio. So I'd like to introduce you to Joseph Rios. He is somebody that I met on Facebook, but I guess that's... Uh, uh, Carlos and I live in the same city, but uh, that's how we met Owen. Joseph is in California, and he 
seems like a, he seems like a pretty solid dude. He is uh, he's reformed in his thinking. He's Calvinistic, and we're gonna find out a little bit more about Joseph as as time goes on. But he is a brother who loves the Lord, and um, he is faithful to serving his family. And uh, I know that Joseph Joseph and I were talking, and he goes out and he evangelizes on a regular basis. He he goes to uh, the abortion clinics and he he preaches there faithfully so he's a he's a member of a church in good standing so uh i'd like to welcome joseph to the podcast joseph why don't you introduce yourself say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are okay so uh again this, my name is joseph rios um uh, just a point of, of clarification I've, i started the membership process at my church we moved here recently and so i'm just kind of waiting for that to go through and it's, uh it's just a we finished our classes and it's the intern in term time um, so just to, to clear that up um but uh but yeah i i spent a lot of time or all of my free time uh, in some kind of either apologetic or or evangelism uh, situation. Um, that's that's really all I want to spend my time doing. Uh, works what I what I do in between the important things, and so it's family uh, and that. Um, I have um, moved from North Dallas area to back to California, where I'm originally from. Not the town I'm originally from, but um, the state uh, for for family reasons, and and so I'm. I was lucky enough to find a, a, a congregation that I can find other people who faithfully want to spread uh, the word. And it happens to be something of an offshoot of, uh, of Grace Community Church, which is which is, teaches sound biblical doctrine, which I appreciate. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I enjoy defending the faith and, and spending time explaining truth as God has put it in scripture. And and, uh, and I'm hoping just to be as helpful as I can be in regards to uh, to explaining it and making it clear. Um, my, my approach typically is along the lines of uh, inescapable uh, truths that the scripture teaches and and then dealing with it. So. Um, so hopefully, uh, hopefully it's appreciated. And if it's not, I'm sure I'll hear about it. And, and I look forward to that also. Yeah, you will hear about it. <laughs> it. It's pretty funny because uh, people have no problem letting you know if you if you say something they disagree with, and uh, today's no exception. We are going to be talking about. Well, first, first of all, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the the Matt Slick JD Hall debate that happened last week. Uh, so a lot of people have been asking us to explain the, the the guys on Semper Reformanda minus Owen because uh, I think most people recognize that Carlos and I were charismatic I, I don't know if Owen is charismatic I think Owen might hold to a more more of the the reformed Baptist uh, position so a lot of people were asking Carlos and I to explain our position because we are charismatic and the way that I would explain my position as a charismatic is that I I've never experienced the gifts I've never seen a legitimate or valid use of the gifts I come from a sovereign grace ministries background and they use Wayne Grudem's systematic theology so that's what I grew up in 
as it stands right now, I'm I'm currently wrestling through this because it, within the past couple of years, I've become far more reformed than I was when I was at this at, at the church that I was that was reformed charismatic, if if that's even a thing. And a couple of things have have changed where I've become a little bit more reformed. One of them would be in my view of eschatology, just to give an example. And so I, I'm currently looking over this view. I don't I don't have the ability to step toe to toe with JD or with Matt on this because they're obviously formidable opponents, and I need to study this a lot more carefully than I have in the in the past. And I think that a lot of times when we go to church, we just you know it's like, well, this is what my church believes, and so this is what I accept as true. And that I, I found that that's where I was at. And the reason that I'm I'm a charismatic is not because I've ever experienced it because I haven't. And the the church that I came from that was charismatic, I, I never heard anybody speaking in tongues. I never heard anybody uh, doing anything like that. So the reason that I'm a charismatic is just simply because I believe that the door is open and the scripture allows for the door to be open to that point of view. As a matter of fact, I, I believe that scripture teaches that the gifts have not ceased. And we can go ahead and uh, take a look at that and get into that a little bit more. But I, I, I want to give uh, Joseph, uh, since he's a, a newcomer onto Semper Reformanda Radio, I want to give him an opportunity to explain his position because we, we agree uh, 100%. I think that Carlos would think that the, the gifts are, are more normative than I would. I would sort of take Matt Slick's position and say, I, I believe that they're that the gifts are here, but I don't think that they're normative. And as a matter of fact, I would even go as far as to say I am very cautious and I'm very concerned about the gifts because when I look at the charismatic movement as a whole, I think it's a horrendous mess. I, I, I do. I think the charismatic movement is a horrendous mess. And when I see the things that go on, I want absolutely nothing to do with that. So, Joseph, what, what's uh, what's your take on it, or what's your position? So, I think it's interesting. It seems like I'm a, I'm a little bit farther over. You're kind of more in the middle, and then Carlos is on the other side. Like, so I would say that uh, that intellectually, I'm a I'm a cessationist, but I have a hard time just deducing it from scripture and purely basing my position on it. Um, I, it see it, it seems for by by all by all by all evidences um, that they that they've ceased. Um, it the I you know my 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 experience with it I guess and I and I kind of uh, verbalized this the, the other day was um was that I you know when I was younger but my mom didn't care what church uh, we went to. Um, it seems. And so it was, a, uh, you know, there was one of them, you know, was, a, uh, as far as doctrinally, like that wasn't, that wasn't the reason why she chose one. So I'm sure she cared. I, I don't mean to say it that way. Uh, but, um, she, but, you know, so I've gone to, uh, you know, uh, assemblies of God church when I was younger, I've gone to uh, Calvary chapel, uh, which was the last church I went to before I became an adult and they're all uh, charismatic or continuationist, however you want to put it. But I do remember as a kid, I pretended to speak in tongues because other people around me were doing it. And 
and in hindsight, it was it was garbage. It wasn't actually happening. I just did it because people around me were doing it, um, and it wasn't actually speaking in tongues biblically. And I didn't know any better because I didn't know my Bible. Uh, that being said, I've seen I've seen no um, no 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 actual use of the of the gifts. Um, I've seen claims to it. I've just never never seen it myself. Um, so, I, um, but but I, I and I and I just can't deduce or I haven't been able to, and it might just be. Um, an ability on my end um, to to get to that conclusion purely from scripture. Although uh, I, I see some of the arguments for it, I just can't. I have a hard time put you know putting both feet firmly down on it and saying I stand on this. Um, but if somebody were to say that they were doing it or or whatever, I would I, I would have to test it against scripture and and I would be proved wrong. And if it weren't, then I wouldn't. I just so. Um, well, let's uh, let's get into that because so what you said right now, if it were true, then I'd be proved wrong. How do you mean that if it were proved true? Like what what do you think would so do you think that it would be proved true by coming to pass? So if somebody let's say uh, let's say somebody was prophesying and whatever they said came to pass. Do you think that that would be proved true because it came to pass or do you think that it would be proved true by referencing scripture in some way uh, because one of the I think one of the difficult things that people fall into is if you take a look at Matt's testimony to his example of uh, the, the prophesying to this to this young girl and he, he prophesied that this would happen and then it happened how do you how do you verify that how do you, how do you test that against scripture well for, for, for him and that I mean so so the way JD Hall answered the question was 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 fine. I I I would I would have answered it a little bit different. Um, my response would have been I, I I absolutely believe that you think what you're saying is true, um, but I don't think that's how it works. Um, so I'm not calling you a liar. I'm not saying that you lied to me. I just don't think you're right. Um, and and that way I can hold my position and and do that at the same time. I, I unfortunately when he said you know basically like you know provide a, provide an example. That's not a, that's not a providing an example. That's talking about something that had happened. Right. Um, what, what, well, so, you, so what would be an example? He actually did it right there. <laughs> I mean, he, he was asking for something that I don't think Matt Slick could have given. Um, I really, I, I think that was, that was kind of a, that, almost the point. So um, it, it was similar to an atheist saying, prove to me that God exists or, or show me, show me where, show me that God exists. It's, yeah, give, yeah pr provide evidence, you know, provide actual evidence that this happens. Although the the difference being the one of the. So actually, let me let me see if we can clarify something. There's a, I think there's a difference between miracles and gifts, right? Um, a one time occurrence does not necessarily a gift make. Um, you know, the so if uh, if you know, if, if you were, you know, got hit by a car and I came and prayed over you and you were healed, I would not assume I have the gift of healing. I would think that God had intervened and done and did a work and that would be it. So you can prophesy without being a prophet. Um, no, I think that you're that you're a, a, a prophet. Once you've prophesied, that doesn't mean that everything that comes out of your mouth is a is a is prophetic. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, thus saith the Lord to my toddler, go to bed. Um, so, if, if he doesn't, he's in sin. So, I mean, that covers that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, 
so okay so so let's back up here for for those who who don't know i don't know anybody who wouldn't know about matt slicks and jd hall's discussion or debate but the the point that we're talking about is when jd hall asked matt to give a demonstration and matt gave personal testimony to an experience that he had and one of the so then then matt asked jd what do you do with that and jd refused to have an opinion on it and this was one of I, I I mentioned this to JD on Facebook. This was one of the I don't think that you're allowed to do that because if and I gave I gave an example and I can I can think of other examples. But if somebody comes to me and says, you know, I've been talking to my grandma. She's been dead three years, but uh, I've been talking to her in my house uh, because her ghost lingers. I'm not allowed to say, you know what? I, I don't want to have an opinion on that. I'm not allowed to do that. If somebody says, hey, so I saw a UFO flying around the other night and I think it's aliens, I'm not allowed to just say, well, I refuse to form an opinion on that because I believe that the Bible gives us a complete and comprehensive worldview. And when we become Christians, it doesn't mean that we are automatically given all the insights that the Bible has. But I believe that as Christians, we should strive to have a complete and comprehensive worldview that would deal with these things. So if somebody came and said to me, hey, I'm speaking to my dead grandma, my worldview addresses that. And I can say either you're delusional or you're speaking to demons. I, I don't believe that the, the soul or spirit of a, of a person lingers after death. So I would, I would have an opinion about that. If somebody says, uh, you know, I saw UFOs, same thing. I think it's probably demonic or you're delusional or, you know, observation is oftentimes unreliable. So I have an opinion about that. And I think that that's what Matt was. Matt was just asking, what is your opinion about this? How do you how do you deal with this? And so I thought it was really funny when JD then later says, uh, let the record show that you refuse to answer. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, you need to formulate an opinion about what's going on with Matt. And I mean, there's a couple of, there's a couple of options. Matt was, I thought putting JD in sort of a dichotomous position where it's either I'm a liar or what I said was true. Now I'd have to listen, listen again. Maybe that's not what Matt was saying. Matt was maybe just saying, you know, I'm not a liar. So what do you do with this? I'm, I'm a, I'm a man of, uh, of good standing. What do you, what do you say? To this and, and maybe that's what he was saying but either way JD just refusing to form an opinion I mean so would J if if somebody says well you know the Lord said to me that every church is wrong and I need to start my own church and uh, some angels came and you know uh, spoke to me and I can look inside my hat and you know discern uh, ancient what, what was the language that Joseph Smith uh, ancient uh, uh, Egyptian, I don't know. Obviously, you know I'm talking about Mormonism. But if if somebody came to you and said, you know, hey, God spoke to me and this is what He said, you don't have the option of saying, well, I just I, I I'm not going to form an opinion on that. Well, why not? I mean, your your worldview should be complete and comprehensive enough that you should have an opinion about that. And I think that that's what Matt was looking for. And and so I I kind of got a little bit frustrated there because it, and the reason why so I mean I'm a, I'm a nobody I, I don't think I'm, I'm worth JD's time
But if, if JD is, is going to listen to this, the reason why is because I'm struggling with what to make sense of that. And so it might be helpful for me to hear him. Hey, what do you, what do you do with that? How do you make sense of that? Because as a Christian who's from that background and, and wrestling with this in, in scripture, I'm trying to, to make sense of, well, okay, what was that? How do I, how do I reconcile that with my worldview? And I have to do it. Uh, Joseph, I'll let you, I'll let you comment on, on anything I just said. Okay. So, um, the, there, so the, the, the prologue to that, right. The, the thing leading up to that is that, you know, Matt pretty early on talked about how it's an emotional topic for him. It's one of the first things that came out of his mouth in regards to it. So he prefaced, uh, the whole debate on, on, uh, on perhaps a, uh, almost like a warning that maybe it shouldn't happen in the first place because he's going to have a hard time with it. Um, the, 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 the unfortunate thing that he did though, is he appealed to his character. Um, and, and the, the, I, the, I have a hard time with that because he, he, he's setting it up to where you have to, you have to say that I'm a liar to say that this isn't true. Um, it, the, the, he was he was forcing a position there's other ways of, of asking the question where you can actually like deal with it right like if he wasn't talking about himself and it was a hypothetical situation um and said hey if somebody came to you saying saying that this happened um what would you do with that and that would probably be a more productive way to ask the question so then that way he wasn't forcing jd in a corner um you know it was a, he was he was painting him a, I, I love this phrase i heard it the other day he was painting him in, into a corner he didn't belong in um, it's a valid question, right? Like, what do you do with that? Um, but, uh, but to, uh, to make it about him, his character and I'm, you know, basically a good repute and, and, and this and that, that, that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a plea to, uh, to, to deal with him, not with the, the, the situation. Um, the, it's, it's a, it's, it, it was, it was a tough spot for, for JD to be. And I think to, to not answer the question, um, is one way of handling it. And I think there's a better way. Like, I, I, obviously I think the way that I thought of answering the question was good, but it's, I, I don't think you can ignore it. But unfortunately, um, it was a setup. It seemed like a setup, whether or not he intended it for it, for it to be, it's what it was. Yeah. I think, I think JD would have made a, a good lawyer in addition to a pastor. Although <laughs> so I, Martin Luther made a good lawyer in addition to a <laughs> yeah, the the way that he asked questions was uh was I I think I think JD asked a lot of questions that I am still wrestling with uh, in trying to answer because as I said I, I I really we we shouldn't just take this for its you know for entertainment value I think that people out there need to reconcile these things with. The, with what the Bible says and and have and form an opinion that's grounded in Scripture. Uh, you know, I, I thought the the debate was was good overall. I think it could have gone better. One of the things that you mentioned was that Matt was emotional, and uh, I I don't know if that can be avoided in certain situations. You know, if an individual's struggling with something, then. I think obviously they're going to be a little bit emotional about it. And so maybe the timing wasn't right, but I think that that, I think that the fact that Matt was a little bit 
overly emotional really affected their ability to converse because at certain points, uh, JD said it himself, they were like ships passing in the night. They were talking past one another. And, you know, uh, JD kept trying to ask Matt, you know, would this have the same, it, would, would your prophecy carry the same weight and authority as scripture? And Matt kept going back to whether or not it should be included in the canon. And so at, at certain points, I, I was like, it seems like you guys aren't really talking to one another. And that, that was unfortunate because any time that that happens, it, is, it really prevents a fruitful discussion from taking place. But like I said, I would not go up against either of these opponents. Uh, I think that they're both formidable opponents. I think they picked the the right two guys for the for the job. I just wish that Matt could have maybe not gotten upset the way that he did. Well, it was it was it was it was un unfortunate that especially um, when. So if I so if uh, if I didn't if I didn't if I hadn't seen Matt Slick talk and and uh, and I didn't and I didn't agree that he was that he was um, that he had genuinely good intentions in, in a conversation. Um, if it was like a formal debate where it was, you know, um, some, you know, like, a, like, a, like, you know, James White versus the oneness Pentecostal and they were debating and James White made a point and the oneness Pentecostal said, well, uh, and then danced around the question, answered something that had nothing to do with the question. I would assume that was on purpose. And the unfortunate thing is when he, when he was doing that, if it was, if it was anybody else, it would, I would just be assuming, well, he doesn't have a good answer for that. So he's answering a different question. And so there was, that was that, that I don't think that I, I really don't think that I don't think want to think that it's just what it looks like. And I, I'm hoping that, um, that it didn't uh, come across that way to too many people because he seems like he genuinely cares and wants to have answers to the questions. I think, I think both of the men, they were sincerely trying to address things. I, I think the impression that I got was that Matt was addressing criticisms that he's heard before but not necessarily that JD was making mm -hmm. and I think that that's probably just because Matt has been beat up over this quite a bit and you know Matt made made mention of the reformed community and I, I guess the way that he's been treated by the reformed community I kind of I, I can kind of see what he's saying I, I don't I, I don't know his personal experience but I think that there are a lot of people out there that will talk to you one way online that wouldn't talk to you that way in person. And and so I think that sometimes people speak in a way that's disrespectful in a, in a way that just isn't necessary. And I've seen that with within the Reformed community. I mean, everybody always talks about how bad things are in the pub. You know, people just... Uh, it's like you have a bunch of theologians in there. Everybody knows something, and uh, if they if they, they don't just disagree with you, they they think you're an idiot. So I can kind of see what what Matt's saying with regards to that, uh, and it's it's unfortunate that he he lost so much. But I also understand the denominate the, the Presbyterian denominational stance on not allowing charismatics into their movement i think i think that the the presbyterian denomination is actually on a, on a current downgrade trend 
And um, for an example of that, you can look at our, our past episodes uh, regarding Tim Keller, who is one of the most influential guys within the Presbyterian church, within the Presbyterian denomination. And if they can't deal with guys like Tim Keller, I think opening the door to charismatics would be catastrophic for the Presbyterian denomination. So I can understand the Presbyterians, denom uh, I, I can, they, they don't believe in the charismatic gifts. And when you look at the charismatic movement, I, as, as a denom from a denominational standpoint, I wouldn't want any of these guys coming into my denomination because it's just going to open the door for guys uh, like, let's take, for example, Michael Brown. He's affirming rank heretics, and and he's, I think he's got some serious issues. So so I, I understand the the concern on the Presbyterian denominational standpoint. You know, it's not allowing a charismatic into the into their into their camp. But I don't know. I I, I feel for Matt when when I hear him when I hear all that he, he went through, how, how difficult it was, my heart goes out to that guy. Well, I mean, just the situationally, like not having been there, you, you, if you know where the, where the group stands on something and you know you're in opposition with them on something that they, that they treat as, you know, one of their fundamental important things, then, there should, then, then, a, then a small amount of foresight will, will show you that, that this is going to become a point of contention at some point. Right. So if he if he's fellowshipping with people who are who he knows are, are cessationists um, and and that and that that's a that's a real position that the, that the majority of the group holds in their, you know, then it's then you're almost kind of just waiting for the shoe to drop. You know, it's it's a you you, you so so that, that being said, that's not like I've, I've not gone into a place knowing that I'm going to disagree with somebody and, and it didn't turn out well. Um, but um, how mad are you going to? Maybe they, they handled it poorly. Maybe they were mean and spiteful and, and really unkind. Um, maybe maybe they were just straightforward and and, uh, and and he cared, you know, and didn't he didn't understand why they felt the way they did. I, I can't assume any of those things. Uh, but for them to follow through with what they what they believe, he should he should admire them for, even if it worked against them. Um, they're holding their position, um, and it was it was inconvenient for him, and it sucks for his life. Uh, it you know he's he he ended up in a worse position for it, but but man, um, you know if they compromised, I mean as far as I can tell in scripture, compromise is a four letter word, um, and and you shouldn't. So um, wait, you know it, wait, wait, I'm sorry, that woo went over my head. Uh, compromise is a four letter word <laughs> in scripture. Um, so you, you don't compromise. Compromising your convictions. What's the four-letter word? No. <laughs> well, you, let's see. You mean like exp expletive? An expletive? Uh, it would be like cursing. Um, oh. It's black. Yeah, no cursing on this. <laughs> I was I, like, wait a minute. Wait, I can't give you an example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's dig into the scriptures. Uh, we, we, can, we can talk about this all day, but uh, so you were saying that you – you are charismatic because you cannot rule it out from scripture, but your caution, you, I think you and I hold to the same position really because you're very cautious and you, you wouldn't just, I guess you would say that they are more of a, they're, they're not normative in, in the way that they happen. So I, I want to look at uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13 through 
8 and 12. This is the the passage of scripture that I, I currently right now cannot get around. It reads, Love never ends as for prophecy, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So the question is, has the perfect come? And I think that guys like JD would say that that's a reference to the canon, I think. Uh, I, I need to go back and confirm that. But I've heard cessationists argue that the, the perfect is a reference to the canon. And so, therefore, tongues have, have passed away. The prophecy has passed away. The problem that I have with that, and I, I always hear people say this, when Christ comes back, we will know everything there is to know and understand everything there is to understand about eschatology. Even even guys who hold to a certain viewpoint, if you're a dispensationalist, well, you're wrong, but <laughs> you're a dispensationalist, aren't you? No, not 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 a progressive dispensationalist. I'm just I, I'm on the left side of that fence. Okay, um, I, I was gonna say because we can we can remedy that, but later. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. So, I I don't think you understand everything that's gonna take place. I don't think that even from what Scripture says, if you I I hold to the historic pre mill view, and I'm I'm re, I'm actually really convinced that that's the right view. I don't. I don't understand everything that Revelation has to say. If you ask me, well, hey, you're historic pre-mill, what is, what is, what does this verse in Revelation say? I'm, I'm more than likely going to fumble because I don't understand it. So when, when I look at this, I think that we still see dimly. I, I don't see that this is a, is a, the, the perfect is the canon because I still see dimly. It says, uh, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, as I have been fully known. And I, I hear guys say, say that all the time. You know, when Christ comes back, we're going to understand everything. Well, why, why don't you understand everything now? Well, I think it's because you see dimly. You see in part. Um, you had something to point out regarding the prophecy. Uh, what was it that you were saying? About well, there's there's two parts to it. And so in regards to Revelation, right? Um, the uh, we have pro we have prophets in Revelation. So prophecy, the gift of prophecy, um, uh, from a from a from the strictest sense hasn't ceased, unless you're talking about uh, uh, an effective silent period between now and then, uh, like you had in the Old Testament. So I thought it was interesting when when JD had brought that up that there was silence between these two periods, right? So you had prophets then pro prophets for a time, and then and then there's a silent period. If we're if if that's a, if that's a a version of a of cessationism, then then that could make sense. That could that, that actually his, I, I could you could build a historic uh, scriptural argument for it. It has happened before, and that's what's happening now. Um, but uh, but there will be there will be two guys that come along that there will be prophets, and and they're gonna they're gonna heal and and breathe out fire on people and all kinds of cool stuff. And and so I can't say that they have ceased in the way that they will never be anymore. So just for our listeners, we talked about this last night. What what are you talking? What two guys? 
let me pull that up real quick. So profit. Okay. Well, I mean, you can just say in, in Revelation. Yeah. <laughs> in the book of Revelation. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so it's in Revelation. Um, I'm pulling this up. Uh, it was it's in Revelation 11. Uh, the two witnesses. Um, the uh, they are prophesied to come. They will. They will actually. Uh, die um, in, in the public, everybody will see it, and then they will be raised up again after that, um, and then eventually ascend into heaven. Um, they, are, they, are, they are foretold by, by John in his revelation of things to come. And so, so since I don't hold in into an all-revelation uh, has been fulfilled position, um, then, then these things are to come, which means that the gifts haven't ceased from, a, from an ultimate point of view. I mean, to me, the perfect coming means the fulfillment of the prophecies. Um, and so if we're going to, if, if that's going to be fulfillment of all prophecies, then heaven and earth have to pass away before it's all fulfilled because that's been prophesied. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have loved to have joined uh, John Wilkins. I think, oh, I, I think it's Wilkinson or Wilkins. John, if I butchered your name, I apologize. I know another guy whose name is John Wilkins. I think John's well. Anyways, the the Council of Google Plus. I would have loved to have joined them. Uh, I just unfortunately I'm always doing bedtime with my kids around that time, so it's it's very difficult for me to pull away and and get on Facebook or get on a Google Hangout. But I would have loved to have joined those guys in their after discussion discussion their after debate discussion. You know, because I want I want to know if this is the canon. You know, what does it mean that do, do you still see dimly? And that's that's a question that I would ask, you know, the, these people is, do you still see dimly? Uh, do you still see in part? Or do you now know everything? And I'm sure that JD has a response to that, so I'd, I'd love to hear it. I'm not trying to debate JD. I'm not trying. I, I, I don't. I'm not at his level. And, and I'm fine with that. I think that there are brothers who... You know, the, God has has given them a, a gift to do things like this, and I think that he and Matt Slick are both. Uh, oh, I said the word gift, so there you go. I'm a charismatic. Uh, <laughs> um, Depends. Are we talking about you know Doma, Dorant? Right, right. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I'd love to hear a response from JD about that. It's a sincere question just so he knows, because he, he usually answers sincere questions. So one, one thing that I, I wanted to address was J.D. said, uh, he asked Matt to give a demonstration, and Matt gave a, an example. And I've dealt with this in my, in my personal conversations with people who are charismatic, and I remember a conversation with one guy who was a, a charismatic, and he was using his... He, he was sort of doing what Matt did, but this guy was using his personal experience as a demonstration of the fact that he was a prophet. And he appealed to De Deuteronomy, uh, the passage in Deuteronomy 18. Uh, let me pull it up. It's uh, Deuteronomy... Um, ah, oops, I forgot to actually put the reference in my notes, but um, while I read this, could you do me a favor and look up uh, the the passage in Deuteronomy 18, oh, it's 18, 20, 21 through 
20 through 22, I believe. If you could just uh, check check it as I'm reading it. But it says, the prophet, the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. You may say in your heart, how will we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So uh, I, I was having a conversation with a guy, and it seems like a lot of charismatics will do this. They'll say, well, what I said came true, so therefore it must be from God. And they'll appeal to this this passage in Deuteronomy, the test of, of the prophet. That is... That, that it's actually committing the fallacy of asserting the consequent. And the fallacy of asserting the consequent is if P then Q, Q therefore P. So basically the argument goes like this. If what I said came from God, then it will come to pass. Oh, look, it came to pass. Therefore, I spoke from God. The, the fallacy of asserting the consequent is a, is a violation of the modus ponens, which is if P then Q, P therefore Q. So if you're speaking from God, then it'll come to pass. You were speaking from God, so therefore it came to pass. The example that we have, the test that we have given in Deuteronomy, is not an example of the modus ponens argument. It's an example of modus tollens, which is if P then Q, not Q, therefore not P. So if the prophet is speaking the word of the Lord, then it will come to pass. That's if P then Q not Q, it does not come to pass, therefore not P. Therefore, the, the prophet was not speaking the word of the Lord. So w when we look at this, it's you can't validate or verify that someone is speaking from the Lord because it merely came to pass. And I see a lot of charismatics doing that. They'll, they'll appeal to an experience and they'll say, well, what I said came true. This is almost analogous to someone being superstitious and saying, well, if I wear my lucky jersey, my team's going to win. Or if I, if I do this ritual at the, at the racetrack, you know, I'll, I'll win. And they, when, when they lose, it's, it's, it's remarkable because when they lose, they think that it's something because, well, I didn't, I didn't do my little, my little ritual the right way. Or I, I've known people who uh, wear a lucky jersey and then like it gets washed and they're upset because it got watched as if as if that has anything to do with the outcome and and when they win they sort of feel validated that see see i told you i i wore my lucky jersey or i i have my you know rabbit's foot or whatever whatever it is that's superstitious and, and I, I will say this matt did not do this matt did not appeal matt did not say well it came to pass therefore it was from god Matt asked JD, well, what do you make of it? How do you make sense of that? And JD refused to, to give an opinion. So Matt did not actually make this argument, but I do see a lot of charismatics making this, making this appeal. And when they do, you just need to say, well, that's, that's fallacious. That's, not, that's a fallacy. That just, just because, you, I mean, a broken clock can be right twice a day. So just because something came true, just because you said something and remark i mean let's take the example of uh, i think jd gave this example the presidential election you know people prophesying that trump was going to win well yeah 
good for you. It came to pass. That doesn't mean that you spoke from the Lord. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, prophesying. That doesn't mean that, yeah, it, you had a 50-50 chance in the end, right? So it means nothing. Uh, so I, I just, I wanted to throw that out there because I, I do hear a lot of charismatics making arguments like that. And it's, it's really, I think, pretty annoying. I, I think, uh, you know, um, you know, it would be a lot easier if I if I agreed with theonomy. I mean, we we have this salt. Uh, anybody, you you get one shot, at, one shot at messing up, and it's over. You know, that was that was the standard then, right? Um, that was you. If you did it and it didn't come to pass, they dealt with you. If that was if that were the case today, we would have less people calling themselves prophets, probably. But unfortunately, unfortunately, I suppose uh, we're not we're not in that structure. Um, that was uh, Deuteronomy 18. That was at the end of Deuteronomy 18. It talks about um, you know, he'll send he'll send someone, and this is how you how you tell. But the, the 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 problem with that though is that he just he outright claimed at the beginning of it um, this is from God, and so it's this is from God. And he said that, that it came to pass doesn't prove it's from God, um, but because I know it's from God, it's from God. And that was kind of his that was kind of his like you know like how do you know you're saved? Well, you know you're saved. Well, to be fair, that's not actually the best way to, to look at it. You just look at the scripture and test yourself against the scripture, and that's how you that's how you know. There's evidences, but there's plenty of people that get, that are going to cry, Lord, Lord, and and so that can't be the metric. Um, people who genuinely believe they're saved are going to hell. So so the feeling can't be it. It has to be lined up against something that's actually true, a standard. Well, yeah, that's what Mormons say that they have a burning in the bosom, and yeah, it's like yeah. Well, you yeah, might want to you might. You might want to get that looked at. <laughs> it's, well, yeah, but that was, but that he, he he appealed to that to a degree. It was he was? How do you know it's from God? Well, it was, I I could tell. Yeah, well, I just knew. but but I okay. So so here's the thing. Jesus says, "My my sheep will hear my voice." How do you know that the Bible's true? You can't prove it. I mean, you you have to take it as axiomatic. You have to take it as true axiomatic. Um, axiomatically, I think that's how you say that. But if you try to prove that the Bible's true, so so someone says, well, how do you know the Bible's true? You try to prove that the Bible's true. Well, okay, so you're going to then appeal to an authority outside the Bible, which is higher than the Bible, or you're going to appeal back to the Bible, which then you're just begging the question because that's the very thing that you need to prove. So I believe that in some sense... The only way that you know that the Bible, or the only way that you come to accept that the Bible is true and that it is the Word of God, is because of the inworking of the Holy Spirit on your life. So I, that's a very difficult question to answer. I, 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 I the logic uses for that is how how some people who are uh, Muslims know that that their religion. I mean, so I'm not saying I'm saying what he appealed to was was not the best approach, um, because the that's how everybody who believes a false religion knows that they're right. It's just how they, how they felt that they just knew. Um, and so they can't, I'm just saying that, that you shouldn't use that because I mean, that might be right. That might be wrong. It proves nothing. Yeah. It, proves, it, all, it all proves is you felt it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I think that we both definitely have a lot of, a lot of studying to do <laughs> with regards to this, but let's, uh, let's go ahead and get into our second topic. Let's get into our second topic for today. Uh, unless you had more to say on that, did you? No, that's that, that that's fine. I'm sure I'm sure I've, I've dug the hole deep enough um, on that. Of course, so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Carlos has studied this a lot more. He he lands on the side of uh, the, the charismatic gifts, and so may, hopefully Carlos uh, can 
maybe join us sometime when he's not so busy and give his input. Let's go ahead and talk about the second, uh, our, our second topic for today, and that is uh, we're, we're going to be looking at the the P and the the tulip, the pres- uh, preservation of the saints. I've heard it said said pres- uh, preservation of the saints and perseverance of the saints. Uh, I believe that it's it's correctly the the preservation of the saints. But we want to tackle the question: Can you lose your salvation? And this, I, I think, is uh, normally referred to as the, the, the view that once saved, always saved. So let me, let me go ahead and give our, our position on this. We do hold to the preservation of the saints. And what that means is that God, by his grace, will preserve those whom he's called and that are anointed and, and elect, that he will preserve those unto salvation, that, the, that they will not fall away. And I, I would actually say that, that that people who reject this doctrine are in an error. And I think that there are varying degrees to this. So I, I don't want to make a sweeping generalization. I was reading uh, Wayne Grudem's Bible Doctrine book. I gave away my systematic theology book to somebody else who I thought needed it. Um I'm, I'm going to take so much heat for that because I know a lot of people don't like Wayne Grudem's systematic theology book, and they're going to be like, who needs that book? But uh, Wayne Grudem, he, he writes, it should be noted that this question is one which evangelical Christians have long had significant disagreement. Many within the Wesleyan-Arminian tradition have held that it is possible for someone uh, who is truly born again to lose his or her salvation while Reformed Christians have held that it is not possible. And then R.C. Sproul writes in his uh, book, What is Reformed Theology? He says, Endurance in faith is a condition of for future salvation. Only those who endure in faith will be saved for eternity. This raises the obvious question. Are there some who have genuine faith who do not endure to the end and are therefore not ultimately saved. The semi-Pelagian says, yes, semi-Pelagianism teaches that a person may come to true, authentic, saving faith and fall away from that faith, losing his salvation. This is clearly what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. And so, Sproul goes on to talk about the difference between mortal sin and venial sin. So, I would say that if you hold to this view that you're wrong, that that if you hold to, to the view that you can lose your salvation, that's an erroneous view, that you are wrong. And Depending on how bad it is, I would say that it, it could it could even be heretical. Now, I think that I think I think that there is a difference between somebody who says, "Well, I believe that you can lose your salvation if you stop believing." I think. Well, I first of all, I think that that's wrong because what that what that reveals is that that person never truly believed in the first place. I, I so I would say that that that's not an accurate view but if somebody is saying that you can lose your salvation the question that if somebody says you can lose your salvation the question that i have immediately is based on what what would cause a person to lose their salvation because if it's because of something you've done which is what what rome teaches that you commit a mortal sin then you're a heretic just plain and simple you've you've altered the gospel you you fundamentally change the gospel because now your salvation 
does not ultimately rest on what Christ has already done for you at the cross. Now your salvation rests on your own obedience, your own act of obedience, and, and your own ability to to keep the law. I, I and and I would I, I would have a very serious concern for those who say that you can lose your salvation because the the concern that I have is well did the person stop believing or do you, did they do something what what was it what 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 can cause us to lose our salvation somebody who says well if a person uh, hypothetically if a person believes and then they they don't believe i i i wouldn't necessarily call them a heretic i would just say well that's wrong and we need to look at, at scripture because if they truly believed and if they are regenerate god will preserve them till the end what would be your assessment on on that okay so my concern uh with somebody who thinks that you can you you can you're able to to lose your salvation is what is what, what, what kind of salvation do you have you know so so what gospel do you believe and uh, so it's a, it's a it's unfortunately um to me it's a it's a it's a it's an attack it's specifically an attack on the gospel it's an attack on the idea of, you know, uh, Jesus saying in, in John 6, he'll give you, you know, he'll, you'll live forever. Well, it, that's hard. Is it a temporary forever? Or is it a forever forever? You know, it's so, so two different things. One, one thing is that if somebody uh, has a misunderstanding, I'm not sitting there and condemning them as a heretic. I'm going to, I'm going to try to help them understand better. But I think like, um, like I've heard pointed out on, on more than one occasion, most people who hold to an Arminian uh, position aren't consistent, thankfully. You know, the, the, the saying, as the saying goes, they, they uh, talk like Arminians, but pray like Calvinists because they're praying that God intervened and saves someone as opposed to, you know, relying on their will. Have you, have you ever heard uh, the opposite of that? I believe like a Calvinist, but uh, evangelize like an Arminian. Yeah, that's, uh, that's absurd. How, how, how does that yeah. work? <laughs> but, I've heard people say that. I, I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I, I, I like to think that when I when I when I preach, it's like a Calvinist um, uh, that I rely completely on God to do the work and not myself. Um, but that being said, um, no, it, it, I, I'm concerned for somebody's salvation if they say that they that they think that they can lose it. Um, and and purely from the from the point of view is that's that doesn't that's not the gospel that Jesus preached. And Paul gives severe warning about any other gospel, um, and so. The, the if it's a misunderstanding that's one thing you know talk through it with a person but if somebody's diametrically opposed to it is absolutely certain you can um then then they're then they're undermining the gospel they're um they're you know they're there's something of what was warned about in jude in regards to somebody coming in with with different 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 teachings and so i would i would i'm slow to call an individual uh, a heretic without very specific evidences. Uh, I think that the teaching that you can lose your salvation is heretical, but, uh, but you know, you, the, the individual is not the whole. Would you distinguish between somebody saying that you can lose your salvation if you stop believing versus somebody that says you can lose your salvation if you, if you've done something wrong? Well, the, the, unfortunately, if you say you, you lose it because you stop believing, it's still a workspace. Um, I, I stopped believing. I was unable to maintain my belief, right? So where, where, did the, where did the belief come from is a question. You know, and we talked about this a little bit. You know, if I, did I manufacture my belief? Because if I did, I saved myself because I believed enough. I somehow had the ability within myself to produce a faith that saved me. 
and that's that's works based. It's a you know it, so so if I can if I can lose my belief and then 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 I'm I'm the I, I'm the author and perfecter of it, not Jesus. So I would I would be just as concerned than if somebody said I could send my way out or if I could lose my faith because both of them are basically saying I have control. I have control over my salvation. Yeah, I think I think that's where it gets tricky for me. I would say that maybe somebody doesn't understand soteriology very well. They don't understand the order of regeneration. They maybe have an Arminian view in mind when they first are converted and they say, you know, well, I, I believed and, you know, well, that's something I did. I, I believed, you know. Um, and so I, I think that, I don't know. I, I think people can be confused without being, I think people can be confused without being heretics. Right. Right. That's a real thing. But but I don't I, I last thing I want to do is sit, sit sit comfortably with somebody somebody goes to, to to the bad place because I wasn't willing to work through it with them, you know I'm not going to just sit there and, and be okay with that I can't. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I've also met people who are concerned that they haven't believed in the right way or well how do I know if I if if it worked, <laughs> you know like I accepted Jesus into my heart, how do I know if it worked? <laughs> it's like well it probably didn't work if you did that. Like you should just believe and <laughs> stop going up every, <laughs> stop going up every Sunday to the altar. <laughs> yes, Lord, I receive you into yeah. my heart. So yeah, I recommitted my life five times. Right. So. I've been born again six times. I've, I, I, you know, when Jesus said to you, if you, if you begin to plow the field and look back, he, he gave a number and I think I'm almost there, but you know, I, right. you know, four or five times, he said four or five times was okay. Right. That, you know, no, he didn't. And, and so that's, that's one of the issues. Well, I think, I think that this also is, you know, we're, we're teachers, we're pastors. Uh, James says, let not many of you become teachers. And so you're going to be held to a stricter judgment. If you're if you're teaching this it, versus somebody who just maybe doesn't understand, like you were saying, the order of salvation, or they they don't understand their role in salvation, which is they were dead and God regenerated them, and now He's given them the gift of faith. Versus somebody who is a teacher, a teacher is going to be held to a stricter judgment. I would be very concerned that. This person is full-on heretical if they believe that you can lose your salvation because, as my pastor pointed out, it, it generates a work-centered righteousness. And a work-centered righteousness is a false gospel. It is what Paul warns about in Galatians. So let's let's go ahead and dig into this article. You, you'd pulled up an article, I guess, written by a heretic. I, I need to... I actually haven't read through the entire article, so I'm going to basically take your lead on this. But you you referenced an article titled, Hate, Eternal Security, Abhor What is Evil. So this, this person is coming up with some philosophical problems as to why eternal security, uh, which, by the way, eternal security is just another way of saying once saved, always saved, and... Pers uh, preservation of the saints. So point number one in this article is eternal security has led to immorality. 
And he writes, because of the, because of the teaching of eternal security, wickedness has flourished throughout the so-called Christian church on a global scale. There is no there is no way for any man to calculate the broken homes through divorces, through divorces, uh, suicides, and criminal acts that have been committed because people have been deceived into thinking their salvation is secure regardless what they do or fail to do. All right, this guy's a heretic. And this is this is exactly about when he says regardless what they do, it's not up to what you do. It's up to what Christ has already done. So if a person is saying that you can lose your salvation because of what you do, well now they're they're changing the gospel so that ultimately your salvation be, becomes dependent on your works not Christ's finished work on the cross. So this guy's a heretic, and he needs to repent before it's unfortunately too late. Really so quick, I think a lot of this stuff, and, and we're going to get to this because he's going to reference it, a lot of this stuff is, a, is almost a, uh, is a response to uh, the free grace doctrine, right? Um, you know, more of a, a Charles, I think Charles Stanley, um, and, and the, the kind of the idea of you can be a carnal Christian. And so this is the, 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 this is a you know well you know you're you're giving license but you're calling them Christians and it, 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 there, I think it, there's two parts to the error one of them is um is that it's not uh, uh, not really understanding what salvation is to a person right what believing does what having what, what being created new uh, means and uh, and the other part of it is they're they're worried that somebody's going to abuse it well that whole notion doesn't work if uh, if you truly believe that the regenerate and believe uh, that believer won't do that, the, the 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 idea that it would lead to immorality uh, would just be that they're not saved. They never were. Um, you know, they they the, the first John covers most of all most of the arguments against um, the uh, the carnal Christian doctrine. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right because a lot of people use this. You know, well, if somebody's sinning or if somebody's uh habitually sinning then it means that they've fallen away no it doesn't it just reveals that we have a term for that a hypocrite you're you're a lying hypocrite and you're self-deceived you're, you're not you're not really saved if the, the example that i use is the issue of pornography because if you are looking at pornography and habitually and you're doing this for years and it's a private sin and you're not repenting. I think that there comes a certain point in, in people's life where you have to ask yourself, am I saved? Am, am I really a Christian? Because sin is not to have dominion over my life. Sin is not to rule my life. Am I, am I free from this? And so I know that there are guys um, and women probably as well that, that will struggle with this issue of pornography. And and they'll they'll fall into sin and then they'll they'll repent and then but I also know other other people who who are professing Christians who see that there's nothing wrong with pornography and I've I've told them I, I don't I don't think you're saved I mean what is what does the Bible says the, the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God go go read Galatians five. Read it for yourself. The sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so when, when we look at people like this, we, we can just say, well, 
it's not that you're that you're saved and then because you're doing this then you're 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 not saved and then you go to church and then you're saved and then you're not saved and back and forth what this is revealing is it's revealing your true state it's revealing revealing that you're self-deceived and that you've not truly repented uh, I think it was Martin Luther that said that the life of a Christian is, is one that's marked by repentance. So the the the, the guy that's looking at pornography I, I would habitually and, and is not seeing any victory over that sin, I would tell him, friend, you need to really consider whether or not you're you're a Christian. You really need to consider whether or not the 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 gospel has had any impact on your life. And um that that's just one example that I that I could give. I think that there's other examples, but I think that most people will conform outwardly. So so a sin that's outward, let's say drunkenness, it's like they're going to they're going to conform outwardly, but the sins that look at the sins that you can hide. Look at the sins that you can that you that that you can commit that nobody else knows knows about. And and that's where I think that you need to evaluate your life and ask, you know, am I really a Christian? You need to test yourself and ask. I, I love the example that Paul Washer gives, where he says, uh, he, he says, if I, and it was in his uh in, in his sermon, the uh that he preached to the youth, the the shocking message. But he says, uh, if I came if I came in and I was like, you know, I I was on my way here and. I got a flat tire and I was changing the tire and one of the lug nuts fell out into the street and as I as I went out to get the lug nut a semi truck ran me over or he says something like that a logging truck something big hit me ran me over and so now I'm like everybody would look at him like you're crazy you can't have an experience with something that big and that powerful and remain unaffected remain unchanged and so that's exactly what is going on here you're saying that you've had an encounter with the with the living god uh and that he's he's redeemed you and yet you're continuing in sin without a repentant heart there's there's a problem with that did you uh did you have anything to add to that um oh, i think we're gonna if i if i do we're gonna touch on one of the one of the things that comes on later and i can wait for that um the uh it's a, well i mean it, it, it it, yeah, it comes down to, you know, I don't know what salvation does, what it accomplishes, right, um, in regards to the, the individual, what it causes them. And, uh, and then, you know, the other half of it is, uh, is did I, what, what, what did I do to contribute to it? And that's the, that's the, the problem to it. The, the idea that it would lead to immorality is just a really, really, really messed up understanding of, um, of what, um, what happens, the, the rebirth yeah as it were well um i'm going to let you take on the the next couple of points and how you want to address them uh i don't know if you want to look at the scriptural passages or how many points are there in this article i think there's nine but um and we don't i don't i don't think it's it's necessary to, to touch on all of them because they're some of them are just so uh, yeah that that was the first one so the second one, the second one is a says um, <clears throat> uh, eternal security teachers are deceivers, um, and it references a uh, uh, Charles Charles Stanley, um, who who does hold to or at least uh, has historically held to a free grace theology, which is a uh, which turns into um, the um, the carnal Christian doctrine that there's no that there's no necessity to 
to change your life. Uh, their their fear there. It's like it's like an over uh, active response to um, to like legalism, right? They're they're worried that somebody's gonna have a, have a works based theology, and so all you need to do is believe in nothing else. Um, and so it's a it's a response to that. It's the wrong response. Um, the uh, so that the he's he's like half right. Um, that is a that is a false teaching. Um, that is not the biblical teaching in regards to what Jesus taught uh, for um, for the believer. Uh, he taught that uh, that you know if you why do you call me Lord and not do what I say and if you love me you'll keep my commandments. Uh, he 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 was forgiven much will will be grateful much. All of these things um, indicate an actual response other than just saying I believe. And so where where he attacks I think at the right point um, his what he uh what he responds with is is uh is horrible because it he's teaching that the whole doctrine is wrong because somebody abused it which is probably the the not it's it's like if they if i if i talk to somebody i mean we can, we can even use the the continuationist cessationist uh debate if i if i met a you know a uh continuationist who um there was a serial adulterer and I said, all, continu all, all continuation has, uh, you can't trust any of them. You can't trust the whole doctrine of continuationism because that guy was a serial adulterer. It's, a, it's effectively how he attacked the argument. Yeah. Adultery is wrong, um, but that doesn't make, make the whole of the argument wrong. Yeah, and, and I, I would say that somebody who falls into the sin of adultery, uh, it doesn't mean that you're not saved. Yes. As a matter of fact, Christians can't grievously. But, but the difference is, is that the Christian will be provoked by the Holy Spirit to repent. R repentance is being sorrowful for your sin and turning away from it. And that's a result of being regenerate. That's not what makes you regenerate. That's a result of being regenerate. So let's, let's do this. You, you wanted to take us to, let's make our case for, the, the pres uh, preservation of the saints. We do believe that God will preserve his saints to the end, that once you're, you're born again, that you, you, he gives you the, the, the right to become the child of God. So not everybody is the child of God. Jesus told the, uh, the Pharisees that some of you have Satan as your, as your father. Let's, let's go ahead and make our case from, uh, from the passage that you were arguing for the eternal security of the saints, and and I think you were you were taking us to John. I actually um, lost my my paper that I was writing. It's, it's, yeah, John six. It's it's one of my it's one of my favorite passages for a couple of reasons. Um, one, it, it addresses this, and and I like that. I've dealt with a few people that that like want to argue that you can lose your salvation. So I've I've gone gone to here for it, but um, but also because it's a it's a wonderful lesson on evangelism. Let's um, let's go ahead and read that, and then we'll dissect it. Uh, John okay. chapter six, verses thirty-eight through forty. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I believe so. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. pulling it. I'm, I'm almost there. Let's see. Uh, so I'll start at thirty. Uh, let's see. On. I'll start at thirty-five. Okay. Jesus said to them, "I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst." Um, but I say to you that you have seen me, yet yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. Um, statement. And those who come to me, will I will certainly not cast out. 
Um, so that's an absolute statement. Um, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me that all that he has given me, um, I lose nothing, but raise it up uh, on the last day. For this is the will of my father that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. Um, I don't know how you can get, you can lose that from there. You have to really dance around <laughs> scripture. Yeah, no, I mean, so, so, so the, the, still the all, all, all who, so, so he, I mean, you could, I could argue for, for limited atonement out of this too, but the, they, so, so for all eternal life, eternal life, if I remember correctly, this is the same eternal for suffering and hell and the same eternal for the glory of God. Um, and so since I know the glory of God is, is, is going to be forever eternal, makes certain, certain parts of that really easy. There's, there's no, uh, there's no, I don't think there's any hermeneutical precedent for saying that he means for ages and that this is just for a time. The last day would even be indicative of that. This, I mean, you have to say, you have to say this doesn't mean exactly what it says um, to say that you can lose your salvation. Yeah, and Jesus emphasizes in verse 39 that he's, he's, it's the will of the Father that he lose nothing of all that he has given me. But let's, let's go to John chapter 10, verses uh, 27 through 29. Uh, it reads, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than I, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So it's pretty clear that Satan can't snatch you out of his hand. No, no persuasive atheist can come and persuade you out of, out of your faith. The, the question then becomes, when people look at this verse is, well, yeah, but you can, you, you yourself can jump out of his hand. Well, it says no one, no one shall snatch them out of my hand. So the, the verse is implying that even you, I mean, if, if you're, if you're part of the category of no one, you can't snatch yourself out of his hand. You can't, you can't, you are eternally secure in that, I, the, the, front, the front half of that verse handles, I mean, handles that eternal life, right? So forever and never perish. So mm -hmm. it, it, as, as if I need, as if he needed to make the point harder all in one sentence, he said the same thing in the opposite ways as if to never be misconstrued. Yeah, it's, it's pretty darn difficult to, to get around that. Well, I think I, th did you have any verses that you wanted to refute uh, as far as somebody thinking that they can lose their salvation, pointing to a passage. I mean, yeah. So the one of the one of the main passages people seem to go to is in uh, is in Hebrews six, right? And talking about you know how they they tasted it, but then they um, but but then they left, right? It's basically what it comes down to. Um, but the you know the, that being the difference between an intellectual assent um, and true faith. So for both of those passages, for both that passage and this passage to simultaneously be true and scripture not to contradict, um, there has to be a difference. You know, I think MacArthur leans heavily on the word taste, 
but it, it's a, you know, you can be intellectually aware, you know, and, and Jesus talks about it, you know, on that day, many will cry, Lord, Lord, those are people who truly believe they, they probably think, right. They've come to some kind of uh, intellectual conclusion. He's their Lord. Um, but he said, I never knew you. And that means that they're not his sheep. That, that's interesting. I, I actually believe faith is intellectual assent to the true propositions of the gospel. Well, I'm not saying, say, I think you, you, you should have an intellectual assent if you truly have faith. Um, but I don't think that that, uh, that saying I understand what this teaches. Um, right. So for example, that's, you know, not, that's not assent to the, the proposition. Yeah. Um, that's just, that's just understanding the propositions. Um, yeah, so so one can understand the. Uh, it's not belief. So one can yeah. understand what the propositions mean and what they say and not believe it. The the the, the evidence being how you live your life and how you actually respond to it. Yeah. But yes. What was that passage? Uh, the in Hebrews six. Um, I don't, let me look at the verses. Okay, so it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good, the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up for contempt. Yeah, I think that's very similar to the person who, uh, once he's heard and he goes on sinning, that there no longer remains a, a sacrifice for him. You, you've, yeah. you've had a taste of it. You, you've, you've had a taste of, of what the gospel is, that you've heard the gospel, but you're, uh, I mean, if you, if you fall away from, from that, then if you reject the gospel, that there's, there's nothing left for you. Yeah, I think I think it goes hand in hand with the blaspheming of the spirit, though. You know, it's a it's a it's an ultimate end. Um, you know, so so what I what a, you know my my history was, you know, I, I I thought I believed for a while, and uh, and I and I you know I was told I was always saved, and I said a prayer and took a bath, and and um, and I believed it. I thought that that was true. Um, I I had been with uh, with believers, and I had seen what they did, and I'd been part of that life, and I walked away, and I. And then I actually came to true faith, um, you know, that I, that I would argue that that would be a, a, a big difference later on in life. Um, but, it, but if it's not talking about in the ultimate sense, it's saying that, if, that, that Matthew 18 means that you send somebody out, they never come back. So that's obviously not what it's teaching either. Yeah, I, I think concerning the psychology of it all, I think a lot of people believe that they are saved, but they haven't believed in the gospel. and so. I mean, yeah. they, they they believe. Well, I'm I'm a Christian. I'm saved, and it's like, well, but you you haven't believed in what is necessary for salvation. So you mentioned the unforgivable sin. Uh, maybe we can get into that another time. <laughs> uh, we yeah. we'd both say that the unforgivable sin is blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which is basically rejecting the gospel. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a. Well, I mean, it's a rejecting what the, what the, what the Spirit witnessed too, right? Which is who Christ is. It's rejecting, it's a rejecting of the fulfillment of the gospel, the gospel right. itself. Yeah, I just, I, I want to make that clear, and, and, and that, that is dying in that state, of, of rejecting that witness. So, I just want to make it clear. I mean, I, I know that that's a, for, for new Christians, it's always like, oh, 
did I did I commit the the unforgivable sin? Let me tell you what I did. <laughs> it's like, no, you didn't. Like you 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 believe and you're saved. Uh, you know, if, if you believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So be at peace, brother. Well, Joseph, I want to thank you for coming on today. I, I really enjoy talking to you. I really hope that you can um, come on as, as often as you can. It would be fun to do some Bible studies with you and put some stuff out there because I am looking for somebody to co-host the, the show with me. So. Um, I'd, I'd love to do this again. Hopefully we can do it uh, next week or the week after, uh, whatever whatever your schedule affords us. And uh, to everybody else out there, I want to thank you for tuning in. This has been another episode of Semper Reformanda Radio. J.D. Hall, if you want to tackle the, the verse in uh, Corinthians for me, Tell me what you think about it. That would be much appreciated. Uh, Matt Slick, I highly value and respect you. Uh, I want both of these brothers to know that, that we uh, we, we do value them. I, I think that they're formidable opponents. I don't want to go up against either one of them. So with that, we'll check everybody next week. God bless. <laughs>